welcome to the D Word Podcast. You know, I love cars, but uh, I don't think I love cars as much as this guy does. Joe Desena, <laughs> uh, from uh, head of uh, video from cars.coza and also a motoring journalist with so many accolades. I mean, look at this guy's Twitter bio. It's all there. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you. Flattery will get you nowhere. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's funny. I'm not, a, I'm not a massive fan of titles. So whenever people ask me what I do, I'm, I always hesitate to answer. But I suppose, yeah, I've been running the video department at Cars for seven years now. Sure, that's a long time. Yeah. 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 Crazy. But so be- before we get into the basics, how is it in Cape Town right now? Weather-wise, uh, not COVID-19. Oh, uh, well, I can give you an update on both. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Cape Town winters are actually very underrated. And I've yeah. lived here for 12 years. I'm actually an ex-Joburg boy. Yeah. And uh, the, you know, summer in Cape Town is windy. It's always windy. And uh, it actually starts to become quite unpleasant. In February, it's really hot. But winter in Cape Town, um, you know, obviously the storms come through. We're famous for our winter storms. Um, but man, when a when a proper winter day hits here, it's it's like it's like ideal. You know, it's 26 degrees. There's no wind. Uh, you can walk around in a t-shirt. Uh, you know, it's it's lovely. And and funnily enough, I've actually grown to like winter more than summer in Cape Town. So uh, right now it was pouring with rain last night, but it's a nice day today, and that's that's pretty much what we deal with here. Mm, wow! And how how are people reacting to COVID nineteen in Cape Town? I mean, we see the stats on the news. Not really the happiest place to be, but how no. are you managing? Yeah, I mean, COVID it's getting very real. You know, a friend of mine's father passed away from COVID um, in hospital. Um, so he, you know, he's. Sometimes you look at the stats and you're just like, oh, you know, it's just numbers. But then it's very real for some people. Obviously, they're losing loved ones. So, um, you know, you don't get really get a sense that anyone's panicked down here. I mean, uh, you know, I'm in the restaurant industry, so obviously I keep an eye on that. And I mean, people are already sitting in restaurants, even though it's not legal yet. But I mean, Cape Townians are <laughs> a funny bunch, you know. They're yeah. like, I'll sit in a coffee shop. I will not be <laughs> by the government um so yeah I, I i think sometimes i look at our numbers and i'm like well you know that's because we're all acting like a bunch of clowns but at the same time <laughs> um, those numbers are phenomenal i mean i i think the scientific community is trying to work out why this province is being hammered so hard compared to the rest of south africa um, and i think the jury's still out on that but yeah i mean we're you know we're just trying to keep ourselves safe um, and uh, and that's about all we can do right now. You know, just to add to what you just said about Cape Town and how people are living life. I mean, in Durban, we don't have, I think we're the fourth highest in the country, uh, but we don't have it as bad. But to reminisce what happened on Father's Day and Mother's Day, I think when we had level three just hit to us, I think people just reset like everything was normal. The roads were busy, people were busy. I mean, I only leave my home to do my radio show and I come back. So when I do go out, I see that everybody's thinking it's normal. It's a normal day. Like, yeah, I'm not sure what the difference between like level three and level one is going to be. You know, yeah. seems to be carrying on. Um, I mean, I'm getting on a plane up to Joburg on Sunday. Um, yeah. I'm going to go shoot some films up there. So I'm so excited. It feels like I'm going on an adventure, you know. Yeah. Um, so normally, yeah. 
Yeah. How many people think going to the mall is an excursion? <laughs> yeah, 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 no. Going to going to get milk is a is a freaking uh, yeah, it's an adventure. Yeah. No. Now, Chiro, the reason why I got you here, I mean, a little story about Chiro. I, I connected with you on Twitter, I think it was a couple of years back, and I tweeted at cars.coza, and I said, I'm a person, I'm not a motoring journalist, I just love cars, and even though I've done stuff online and on Ignition, I always say that what you guys have done from the time you started, I think you guys are the leader of motoring content in South Africa, and I'm saying that. I don't care if anybody doesn't, doesn't believe what I say. I'm saying that. <laughs> Thank you, man. And I think that there's a lot more that you guys are doing that I think a lot of other uh, motoring, um, can't say journalists, motoring publications. publications can learn. I mean, um, yeah. paper is dead. Magazine is dead. Digital is the way. And you guys are setting the bar so high. So before we get into cars.co's and how it's going right now, let's talk to you, Chiro. Where did your passion for cars begin? <laughs> Uh, sometimes I don't reckon I'm a big enough petrol head, to be honest. Uh, but, but yeah, it goes back to my dad was quite a car guy. He restored a beautiful 67 Mustang uh, when I was very young. So I kind of grew up with that, like, V8, blah, 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 you know, mm. very large displacement sound in my head. Um, he was quite a passionate car guy. And... Um, and then when I was about 17 or 18, I, I, I dated this really lovely girl whose dad was a successful businessman and race car driver, and, and he had a bunch of cars. And he really sort of took me under his wing, and um, you know, he used to import all these great magazines from overseas, which you couldn't get anywhere, you know, great British magazines. I used to read through those, and, and, um, and then I remember, I'll never, rem I'll never forget, I was actually in their house, and it was the first time I ever watched Jeremy Clarkson doing his thing. And he was mm -hmm. driving Ferrari Enzo. And I, I said at the time, I was like, I think I, that's what I want to do for a living. You know? <laughs> and I pretty much How set old out, were you, by the way? I was 17, 18. Wow. And then I pretty much set out, I spent my entire adult life pretty much trying to get to this point. I mean, I, I recorded my first car video when I was about 19. Uh, I started a car website called Overdrive when I was about 20 in, in university. That started opening some doors for me, eventually led to some gigs with uh, GQ, riding for GQ, and then eventually the Expresso show, and then Cars of Coza picked me up from there, and it's, it's been seven wonderful years. So, yeah, I, I sometimes think I'm not as much of a petrol head as some of my colleagues or some of the other motoring journalists in the industry. I think I prefer making films um, mm. to, you know, to, to sort of... Uh, I don't know. Um, I'd, I'd like to make films about everything, not just necessarily cars. So, but I mean, yeah, I get a lot of joy out of cars, definitely. So, 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 is it safe to say that what you're doing is a passion and not really a job? Um, no, it feels like a job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's that there's that saying: if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I think that's nonsense because mm. you know if you if you love what you do, you've got to really work hard, especially if you're in the creative space. You know, it's hard to make money out of creativity. And, and uh, if, you, if you turn your art into work, um, you risk ruining what the art means to you and what it does mm. to you. Because, you know, you've got to meet deadlines. You've got to keep people happy. You know, you're not just sort of sitting at home in your room, you know, painting horses running on a beach. You know, you... You gotta you gotta grind to get these to get these videos out. I mean, the amount of hours that goes into video production is just insane. 
But um, I've built up a great team around me. We're a team of five now at Cars working in the video department. So a lot of the logistics and day-to-day -day stuff is now handled by the people. But yeah, for about five years, I mean, I was pretty much a one-man band. It was me and an editor, and we just used to crank mm -hmm. everything out. So, so yeah, it's uh, the, the channel's grown, obviously, and we're, we're chuffed with the growth. I mean, we're at 205,000 subscribers wow. now on the channel, uh, which is really cool. So yeah, we're, we're proud of it, and the aim is to, you know, the aim is to just keep growing and, and to keep pushing and keep innovating and keep doing cool stuff for the South African audience. Yeah. So so take, take us through Cars.coza. Cars.coza is a massive platform. You guys mm. even have an awards um, uh, yeah. in your belt that is yeah. amazing. I mean, I've watched the online production of that. That is like another level. <laughs> um, so so take us through Cars.coza, the brand, uh, and how you fit in with whatever they do. Sure. It's a wonderful story, Cars at Coza. It was started about 12 years ago in uh, in the founder's bedroom. I mean, they're they two, two good friends from school. They were about 24 when they started the business. So and, and they wanted to start the business because they were tired of working jobs because all they wanted to do was go to Durban and surf. So they wanted to be their own bosses. They're the weirdest Joe Burgers ever. They just wear board shorts and pluckies, and they just want to go surf. <laughs> It's, uh, they're two engineers. They're, 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 uh, they're, um, uh, the guys have BSc backgrounds, and they're not car guys. You know, they just saw a business opportunity, and they really made it work. And then about five years into their journey, they wanted to start a content platform. So I was brought on as the first member of the content team, and then we built the content team up to ten guys now. And uh, it's just been a, a really incredible ride. Um, such good guys. We're all kind of the same age, you know, so there's that. We, we try to be very guerrilla with how we move. We try and move really fast. We try to keep very lean. You know, some of our competitors have four times the staff count that we have, and we have more traffic than them. We put out more content than them. So we're very proud of how of, of how we, we've built the company, and uh, it's it's been wonderful to be a part of it. Um, I think as a business in terms of pushing into the motoring media space, we're a very unique business in that we don't rely on advertising for our funding to, to fund our media arm. Um, the, the dealership sales side of the business, the classified sales side of the business um, funds everything. You know? and, and so that gives us quite a lot of muscle to, to do things that you, you, don't, you, know, you don't need to go out and try to get a sponsor to do something cool. You know, trying to get a sponsor, I mean, you know, I've been trying to do it for ages. I respect people immensely who manage to get money out of brands to go and do cool stuff because <laughs> I haven't really cracked it yet. Um, mm. You know, it, it's it's difficult to, it's extremely difficult to go to a big brand and say, hey, this is what we want to do. We need a bunch of money. You know, you've you got to really prove yourself and prove your concept. And, and, and yeah. I, thankfully, I've never had to do that. And I think that's contributed to our success in the content space because, if we want to do something, we just do it. You know, mm. the money's there. You know, and, and that's a that's a wonderful space to to play in. You know, that's a wonderful. Uh, it's a very empowering thing in the media space. Um, and I, I definitely think it's contributed to to the growth of our platforms. Yeah. Now, obviously, with the videos you're pushing um, on Cars.Posa and and all the content that you're doing, you're doing from the, from the drags to the lifestyle cars. How honest are you with the stuff you are saying? Are you like saying, hey, this is my view? 
or do I have to check up with somebody else? Is it okay for me to do this? Yeah, it's a combination. I think I think when a when an audience member watches a car video or reads an article, they want to know what that particular person thinks of the car. So I, yeah. I try to give my opinion. And um, you know, luckily these days it's extremely hard to to find a car that's like just absolutely rubbish. You know, yeah. I, I think that what our jobs are now as car journalists is to advise people as to the best purchase to make for their particular lifestyle, or their particular needs and wants. So we, we try and, and highlight the value proposition for, for um, uh, the user. So for instance, we did a video where we compared the Volkswagen T-Cross to the Hyundai Venue. Mm-hmm. And you know, those are two cars competing in the same segment, but they cost 100,000 Rand. Uh, the venue costs 100,000 Rand less. So you got to answer that question, why does this car so much? cost so much less why is the t-cross 100k better so i think that's what we do now as car journalists and then obviously there's the fun stuff there's the supercars and the vintage cars mm. and, the rest of it. and but I, I i try have fun with it and i, I try to be a bit cheeky and uh, and i and i i often present the team's view you know before i review a video i'll sit down with the team or i'll drop an email to the team i'll be like hey guys what are your thoughts on this car um so I try to present a sort of a consolidated team view of the car, which I think is also very valuable. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 a it's an interesting space to play in because the reality is that you need access to the products to do your job, right? Yes. People who yes. control access to the products are the same people who are marketing those products. They're not third parties. So, mm-hmm. so there's inherent bias in in the people supplying you your your products so that you can do your job. And uh, I think that's a that's a balance that a lot of uh, motoring media professionals struggle with, um, and it, it possibly means that the end user is getting an opinion which is compromised. So we try to keep that in mind. We try and actively make sure that we're providing balanced opinions and, and balanced viewpoints. Um, but I think also the, the fact that we have uh, we have such large platforms now. Uh, like I say, it gives us a bit of muscle to um, to really say what we want to say. Mm. Now, obviously, with, with you saying what you want to say, I love the fact of how your personal humor comes into it because it yeah. creates it creates a very real essence of what you are saying. It's like you talking to a friend. Hey, this is what it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of the elements that I personally like of the videos you produce is that there's a there's a there's a bit of a cheek and and, and I like it because it's it's keeping it very relevant yeah. in, in a world that's very fake sometimes, you yeah. know? Um, but now comes the, the question that I think everyone asks everybody in the motoring industry, what is the most thrilling car you've ever driven? Or tested? <laughs> um, sure. I think recently the car that stands out is the Mustang Bullet. Mm. Um, you know, it's very rare. That car's a bit of a dinosaur. You know, giant V8 engine with a manual gearbox, rear-wheel drive. Um, that car is so well set up. You know, I, I had a drive. I don't know if you're familiar with the coastal road from Hout Bay to Camps Bay. Um, if you've ever driven that road, it's beautiful. And there's corners and sweeping bends and no intersections. And, you know, and I, I remember driving that car home one night and I, I just died stuck in my mind it's like this is a great experience you know, I, I don't know how long cars like that are going to exist for um i think the car that scared me the most was the mclaren 720s i mean that thing is just too fast 
you know, mm. it weighs the same as a Polo GTI, but it has 550-odd kilowatts. I mean, it's wow. like, it's mental. It's an absolutely mental car. But it didn't, it didn't excite me as much as the, the one and only time I've ever driven a Ferrari. I drove the 458 Spider. And that, that really sticks in my mind as a particularly enjoyable drive. That car was just so right. You know? uh, one of the last naturally aspirated Ferraris. Um, just an incredibly sweet chassis. Um, yeah, that drive, I mean, I drove it on this mountain pass with the sun rising. It was like, you know, that's kind of the dream. You know, when you start this job, you're like, oh, you know, maybe one day I'll drive like a Ferrari. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you drive cars, lesser cars, which, which really sort of uh, tick all the boxes and really leave you uh, super, super excited. I mean, um, you know, cars like, say, Audi RS4, Audi RS6, those sorts of things, mm. Jag V8 F-Type, um, those sorts of cars also, I mean, you, you know, they don't cost 10 million rand, but they, they provide sort of 90% of the thrills of, like I said, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini yes. or something. So, yeah, no, it's been a pleasure to experience these cars over the years, really, has you know, all the cars you've been mentioning, and I think that the, the choice and the, if you had to make a CV of all the cars you've tested, there's yeah. a lot there. But do you ever feel like when you test a car, you feel like, hey, I wouldn't mind having this. I wouldn't mind buying this. Has there yeah. ever, have you ever come across a car like that? Yeah, the, the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to freaking steal that car, man. And I don't know, like eloped to Botswana with it or something. <laughs> like it, it, uh, I mean, obviously, Mustangs are sentimental to me and sentimental. And, um, and uh, you know, there's obviously something deep in my bones related to that car. It's not the best sports car by any means. I mean, like a, a Toyota Supra is a better sports car, you know. A BMW M2 or, whatever, or M4 is a better sports car. But, but she's like, that car has got so much character. Like it's, uh, and it just looks so good. You know, they, they did like the badge delete on the front and it's got those like retro style black wheels and like green bullet paint job. And, oh man, like, it, yeah, that, you know, yeah, that car, if I had that like parked in my garage in my weekend car, I'd be pretty stoked with life. <laughs> Hopefully Ford South Africa is listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> they know I love Mustangs. They know very well. <laughs> so, so during lockdown, are you still testing cars, or are you doing it in a different way? How, how are you doing that right now? Uh, the, the the fleets have reopened marginally. I mean, they're not there's not as many cars or as many brands providing cars at the moment. But um, yeah, we're we're getting cars again. Um, I just you sanitizing the, hopefully when you're going in each car. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. You know. Um, I mean, the, the fleet manager down here that controls most of the brands is an old racing driver called Dion Yubay. He's a great guy. He's been a great friend of mine for a long time. And um, you must see how organized they are. I mean, the, the car arrives with uh, plastic on the steering wheel, plastic seat cover, plastic on the handbrake, the gear knob. You know, it's, it's really impressive. Um, so people, are, he's adjusted. His company's adjusted to COVID very quickly and very effectively. So, yeah, you know, we try to practice uh, safe motoring <laughs> as much as we can yeah, yeah. sure that I, I know it's it's scary to think about you know even a car it is a surface and uh, maybe maybe using gloves when you're driving maybe it's an option too i don't know i was yeah. thinking about that the other day <laughs> yeah i just i mean this morning i just bought two little bottles for to to decant some sanitizer into for 
um, personal use. Um, like when I'm flying now, I want to be able to carry it on me in my pocket. So, um, you know, I, I think good advice is to actually sanitize your hands before you get in your car so that you don't contaminate your car, you know, yeah. when, when you've been walking around in the, in the real world. So, um, you know, these all these habits we're going to have to adapt to because, I mean, I don't think this this stupid virus is going anywhere anytime soon. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is scary. You know, you know, like when, uh, whenever I go to work, uh, I obviously am not far off from work. So I pretty much have a small space. But this is a funny story, but people at work laugh at me when I do this. So I buy myself a whole lot of those cheap surgical gloves. Get me out. I don't wear them for long. So yeah. I leave home. I sanitize in my car. I get into the radio station building. As soon as I get into the studio, I put my gloves on. I sanitize the entire studio, meaning from microphone to mixing desk to even the screen. I then even change the microphone filter with my own microphone condom. <laughs> I'll put that one on. Then I do my show. When I finish the show, take out the gloves, sanitize my hands, come home. I know it sounds weird, but no, so I, many I, people don't it sounds, I don't think it sounds weird at all. You know, um, you, don't, you don't want to get this virus. Yeah. You know? I don't think you can be too safe. The problem is that you, you, you need to also live. You know, you need yeah. to work, you need to make money, you need to socialize. I mean, we're social animals, you know. We, yeah. we can't lock yourself in your house. So, yeah, you can lock yourself in your house and uh, and never leave, and you'll probably be safe. But then you also <laughs> probably be miserable. So what the yeah. hell is the point of that, you know? So you, you've got to mitigate risk and, and accept some risk in your life. And I mean that's you know, that's what we do. I'm sitting in my in the car's office right now. There's a couple of yeah. us here. Yeah, you know, we're practicing safe office space use. And uh, you know what? Being back in the office has made me feel so much better about life. Like yeah. working from home constantly actually sucks. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so so um, you know, a couple of days in the office a week. What a pleasure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, with the way we are, as you're saying about how we're living life, I think we just need to adapt and adjust, and we'll be fine. If we if we don't adjust to what's going on and we are ignorant towards it, I think that's when all the other things start happening. Yeah, no, you, you you've got to you've got to balance risk with with life, man. I I can't, you know, the the the, the boss of Casa Cosa, one of the founders, Russ, he's a great guy, and. and uh, as soon as he could safely get to Durban, I mean, he was in Durban, and he and I messaged him the other day, and you could you could almost feel his happiness coming through the WhatsApp, you know, like <laughs> he was like, oh man, I, I surfed with dolphins yesterday, and he's like, the world is such a simple place when you're out in the water, and you know, you don't obviously need a mask, and you know, and I mean, he he, he found so much happiness in that. I, I think over the next while, you know, we're going to have to all try to find ways to just get some joy out of life again. Yeah, and uh, cars are cars are one of those ways, you know. Now, with cars the way they are right now, and there's a lot of new product coming out. Um, I think uh, all of us are excited about the few products that are available right now, and I can't wait to test the new BMW uh, 3 Series. I never had a chance to test it yet because of lockdown. I never had a chance to test any cars this entire year. Yeah, so the sure. first car I'm testing is in July. And, cool, and uh, so. I just think that it's exciting to test cars. But here comes a question that I think a lot of people are asking. And I'm not talking people in the motoring world. I'm talking about people that are actually suffering financially from what this pandemic has done. People who can't afford to buy a car. People who actually are in dire straits with the bank. You know, there are a lot of people like that. And 
these people now, they are changing their perception as to what car would be suitable for them. In the year 2020, as it stands in our country, what cars do you think will survive? Or what car brands will survive? And what car brands may just say, hey, you're going to take a knock based on what's going on in the world? Yeah. So, I mean, we know from our partnership with West Bank that the average uh, finance deal in South Africa is 270,000 rand. And so that gives you an indication of where the market is already or where it was pre-lockdown. And I, I suspect that that figure will drop. Um, I suspect that people will be downsizing, uh, moving down markets. Um, I suspect the budget sector will be okay. Um, rough, it'll probably take a bit of a knock. And I think the top end of the market will be okay because, you know, you, your uh, individuals, motorists who are uh, particularly wealthy, I don't think their financial lives would have been rocked by this pandemic. And you see that in the figures. I mean, you know, last month, a bunch of Bentegas were sold and Lamborghinis and Porsches. And so, you know, those things will keep moving. I think the middle of the market is going to take yeah. a knock. Yeah. You know, I don't see people buying a five series when a three series is just as good. You know, yeah. I don't I don't see people buying um, a, a golf, you know, a golf R when maybe a GTI will do. You know, so I think that the thick middle of the market, I think, is going to move around a lot. And, um, you know, the good the cool thing is that issue. I mean, uh, cars in the lower end of the market now, so much of the tech, you know, all the toys and the comfort features and the, the tech features have moved down market. You know, you can get into a Ford EcoSport that's got SatNav, Android Auto, Apple CarPlay, you know, all of these nice features, heated seats, you know, which maybe you'd only have found in a 500 grand car, now you can find it in a 300 grand car. So, so I think people are, you might find that people move, move down from the premium brands, you know, your German brands and your Volvos, your Jaguars, that sort of thing. And they maybe look at something like a, you know, like a Ford EcoSport or a, mm. and they're like, well, actually, I can probably live with it. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's comfortable, it's efficient. And, uh, and I think brands like um, Hyundai, Toyota, Mazda to a certain degree, although their products are quite expensive now, Suzuki, I think they're all going to benefit from this in, in some way. But, but yeah, the market is very depressed. I mean, the prediction is half, you know, new car yeah. sales in 2019. So it's a difficult yeah. I know uh, with every industry, and I say every industry, like with regards to uh, car markets, uh, I'm, I'm in the entertainment world. I don't even yeah. know when I'm going to go and play in a club again. I don't even know when is that going to be even a thing, you know? Yeah. But I think that we just need to somehow, and even when, we, when it does happen, um, I was chatting to uh, an, an, an organizer who was stating that they're now going to do outdoor events where we sit in a certain space and chill. I was like, how the hell is that going to be? Uh, what do you mean? We're going to chill outdoors uh, and... We can have few people around this area. It sounds like a, like a camp. It doesn't sound like an event. But I think people are also struggling to adjust to those things. But I think that with the car world, when it comes to finances, I think it's similar where people now need to understand that the luxuries of getting what you really wanted may need to change based on the financial pocket. And I think that it, there's still something for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I... Look, there's never been more choice in the market. Um, 
I'm a little bit worried about about brands like, say, Jeep, uh, Alfa Romeo. I mean, they weren't selling very many cars at all before lockdown. You know, those those businesses, the sustainability thereof in such a depressed market is probably going to be very tenuous. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it might be worth if you're buying into a brand, considering the solidity of that brand in the South African market. You know, I think that's... Mm-hmm. It's probably solid consumer advice. And obviously, I wish all those brands the best. You know, you, you never want to see a brand pull out of the country. Yes. You know, a lot of people yeah. lose their jobs. So I, I hope they make it, you know. But as a consumer journalist, you know, you, you have to give the best advice possible. So it's something to be aware of. Sure. Uh, Joe, just in closing, um, if there's anybody in, in, in our country that wants to be a motoring journalist, uh, I know we, when we have car launches, you see motoring journalists are clicking to themselves and they have their conversations and they share their ideas. But obviously for the newer generation that's coming up who may look to you and say, hey, what advice do you give me? I want to be a motoring journalist. What are the steps that I need to take? Yeah, I think that the, you, you need to develop relationships with the brands. Um, and right now, I think that's actually easier than ever because... Mm. You can self-publish. You know, I, I think that you, as a young, uh, up-and-coming journalist, you, you need to look at all the avenues on, on which you can self-publish. And, mm. and that includes Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Snapchat. You know, those are all, you're actually publishing. You know, a post is a mini, is a mini publication, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great way to interact with the brands. It's, it's probably easier than ever to get noticed, actually. But then at the same time, the other side of that coin is that the market is actually saturated, you know, mm. because it's easy to, because the barriers of entry uh, to entry are low, it means that there's like a million people playing in the space now. So you got to stand out. So I would say focus on your quality of work. If you really want to be a journalist, I think you need to be a writer. You know, if you want to work in video, you need to be able to write scripts. Um, if you want to work in radio, uh, I think being or even being a writer helps. Uh, if you want to do decent posts um, on, on Instagram, on Twitter, you need, to, you need to be able to write. So concentrate on your writing skills. And if you really can't write or you have no interest in writing, then you need to perfect, perfect your visual skills. You need, to per, you need to become a great photographer. You need to become a great videographer. And uh, these days, I mean, there are very successful vloggers on YouTube who literally just vlog on their phones. Like, yeah, your access to equipment these days is incredible. Like even cheap phones can shoot HD video, you know. So, but again, all these barriers to entry being lower means that there's a lot of people playing in the space. You really need to work hard to stand out. So, and and do you know do things for free? I mean, geez, like I work for free. I you know GQ didn't pay me for like freaking three years. Like I used to wait to like pay my bills, you know. Um, you're going to have to hustle. You're going to have to do a lot of stuff for free to prove yourself because the reality is in this industry, you need a track record. You need to be able to say, hey, this is something I've done already. Like, check, this yeah. is what I'm capable of. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a combination of many things, but you need to prove value to the brand and you need to prove that the brands can trust you because they're going to yeah. be given very expensive assets to look after. Uh, and you need, you need to prove that you you know you're going to give that car back in one piece. So um, so yeah, you know it's it's a it's a difficult industry to get into. But also, I would say don't get into this industry if you want to be rich or if you want to make a decent living because that's that's bloody tough. 
This is not a well-paid job. (laughs) (laughs) I love the honesty there. (laughs) Yeah, not for most, you know, I I mean, not for most of the industry. It's, it's, uh, the media world is, yeah, yeah, you, you got to find it. I would say, be a motoring journalist and have another business. That's right. You heard it from him. You heard it from him, right? Uh, Cheo, it has been awesome hanging out with you and chatting to you and learning things. Uh, I think it's a different perspective hearing what you feel about certain things, especially the cars you test. And uh, I think keep doing the good work that you're doing at cars.coz. I think I appreciate it. I value it. And I certainly think that you are leading the way in South Africa. Thank you, man. Yeah, no, that's, that's really lovely to hear. And I, I appreciate the sentiments. I appreciate the kind words. And, and yeah, thanks for your time. Cool.